0: it is my hope and my prayer that this word will bring you a lot of encouragement, a lot of hope, a lot of joy, a lot of peace, so that uh, we will grow as a Christian community. Now, you may notice that the title of today's sermon is A Common Community, and that's what we're really going to settle today in this sermon. Now, For us, community is a major component, not just for Christianity, but it is a major component for every major religious and belief system that has ever existed. Now, while every other false religion gets all of the major doctrinal truths wrong, they have all managed seemingly to get this one truth right is in that we need community. Even if we look at a religion like Buddhism that believes that peace comes from the inside and in the strength of the individual, they've always encouraged that this should happen in a convent amongst people of like-minded beliefs. And they knew that that would strengthen those people in their religious beliefs if they had like-minded people, a community around them. I think the irony for what we see today is that while these false religions get all of their major doctrines wrong, Christianity has often got the sense of community wrong, even though we get the major doctrinal truths right. Now, within the Christian church, the common community is not just the people that we have a local church home with. It's not just the people that we worship together with every Sunday, but the entirety of the Church of Christ is our common Christian community. We are not absolved from fellowshipping and communicating with that community. We have been given this community so that we can be protected against the attack of the world so that we can be proactive in giving the gospel to the world. Now, one of the most unfortunate things that we see that happens commonly among the Christian community is that instead of attacking our adversary, we've become the attackers of our brothers and sisters in the faith who don't agree with us on all the different various issues and non-essential truths that are out there to agree or disagree with. Not only that, but there is a lack of real community because many of us are so divided on these non-essential issues that we have disrupted the model of the New Testament church in its establishment by the apostles. Too many times we are becoming isolationist in our faith and almost cultic in our religious beliefs, but... There are a few components and qualities that make up the true Christian community. And what we want to do in our text today is look at what the community of a church of the of Christianity looks like how we have all things in common and how we are here for the benefit of one another what the purpose of the church is for us as individuals but for the world globally as as a whole and so to do that we're going to jump right back in this week to our text in acts we're looking back in acts chapter 2 in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Say, Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to worship together. We thank you for another opportunity to share in your word. God, please open our eyes, open up our hearts so that we can receive this truth. And God, build us in this most holy faith amongst our Christian community. In your master's name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, what makes a community? A community is made up of similar people with shared interests who are trying to achieve a common goal. That's what makes up a community. So what makes up a Christian community? This is where we need to see the very clear distinction between just having a community, being a part of a community, and being a part of a Christian community. As Luke writes, he says here that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There we have the first component of a Christian community. The reason I make that distinction is because there are plenty of gatherings, there are plenty of congregations, but based on the definition of what the Bible says defines itself as a church, as a Christian community, most of these gatherings and congregations do not make up what the church actually is. In other words, the things that we call the church, based on this text, are not churches, but rather they are communities of people who share a similar interest, but they're not devoted to the things of God. There was one thing at the center of everything that the Christian community did in this text, and it was that they devoted themselves wholeheartedly to the word of God. The teaching of the apostles was not their own, but rather they got their teaching from the word of God. It was the very mouth of God that spoke the words that they spoke. All scripture is breathed out of the mouth of God is profitable for reproof and correction and training in righteousness. So what they did when they gathered is that they devoted themselves only to the word of God. The purpose for their gathering was to celebrate and hear the word. Many times we see today that churches build their entirety entirety of their ministry on worship. They build the entirety of their ministry on entertainment, on small groups. But this does not a church make. We are a Christian community when we come together in fellowship to worship, to hear, and to obey the word of God. We have to remember that the people who joined in this community were willing to not just lay their lives down, but leave their former lives behind, behind, and they were castigated and vilified for the sake of the gospel. They were rejected by one community, and so they joined the community that loved them. This is what the community means for all of us who come to Christ. Yes, we are accepted by him, but he also gives us the means of grace so that we are built in fellowship with one another in our most holy faith. Devoting oneself to the word of God is not merely just listening to it. It's not just hearing what is said, but it is also obeying what is said. It is also adhering to what is said from the word of God. Listen, people, that is our commonality, that when we come together, not only do we hear the word, but in our shared experience, we are obeying the very word of God. Nothing can possibly be more unifying than people who come together because they are hungering and thirsting for righteousness and a righteousness that will come to them from the word of God. So we see here that the first commonality is that they came together to hear the teaching of the word of God so that they could obey it. But they also come together for fellowship with one another. This literally means, when we see the word fellowship, it literally means in sharing or a partnership with one another. Believers are not just people who believe the same thing, but we have the very same bloodline. The blood of Jesus courses through all of us and we have a duty and a privilege and a right to bear the burdens of one another. When we see the sins overtaking our brothers and sisters or when we see that they are struggling, we do not mock them. We do not talk about them. The Bible actually says, take heed unless you fall. What we do, as the Bible says, is not only do we pray for them, but we restore them and we bear their burdens. That is why the community exists in the first place, because we are not an island. We are not a people who have been islanded, but we are joined in this massive community of people. We are partners in the faith, and the most dangerous thing we can do is turn our partners into our adversaries. Satan uses, please hear me when I say this, Satan very intentionally uses non-essential secondary issues in the lives of believers to divide us and to see one another as enemies instead of faithfully fighting our fight against him. Remember, when Adam and Eve are in the garden, Adam receives the instructions, the word of God from God on what he could do and what he couldn't do. He then communicates that to his wife. When the serpent comes, the serpent questions Eve on what the word that came from God actually said. When he questioned her, it made her question the word. When she questioned the word, it broke fellowship, not just between her and God and Adam and God, but it also broke the fellowship that they had with one another. When we come together, when we forget what the word of God says, then we are allowing the enemy to infiltrate the relationship that we otherwise should have with one another. It breaks the bond and the partnership and the fellowship, not just that we have with one another, but also that we have with God. When we let man-made traditions and philosophies get in the way of our relationship, then inevitably the the reaction will be that it divides us. People who should otherwise be united. And what happens because of that is that we begin to resent the very people that we are supposed to be in community with. Now the strength and the effectiveness, please hear this, of the community is only as strong as the individuals who make up that community. What am I saying? The whole of the community is made up of the sum of its different parts. All of the parts individually need to know where they stand with God and likewise devote themselves individually to the Word of God. So what is the makeup of one individual Christian who is a part of a larger community? Well, let's look at what Romans says. In Romans 12, verse 9, it says, "...let love be genuine." that make up the larger community, there must not only be a love that is genuine towards God, but there must be an altruistic self sacrificing love that is towards one another as well. It says outdo one another, be generous in how we handle one another, be explosive in how we Put other people's needs above our own. Show hospitality, show love, and let the genuineness of your faith exude out of you. It is a love that hates, that despises evil and wrongdoing and sin. And it clings to what is right and what is pure and what is true. In short, let me say this. The Christian community is supposed to be everything that the world cannot be. What is that? It should be a an undivided and united front. The very definition of the world and its community is this: that it is self-sufficient self-serving and self-preserving, but we as believers have been called to give up that former life when we live just for ourselves and now we live for God and in living for God, we live for one another as well. This all is only made possible when we are being led by the Word of God as the God of our lives and the hinge of all of our Christian fellowship with one another. Partners in the faith, co laborers in the gospel. This is why they not only devoted themselves to teaching and fellowship, but they also devoted themselves, as the Bible says here, to breaking bread and to prayer. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Okay, I understand why they would devote themselves to the word of God. I understand why they would devote themselves even to fellowship. I certainly understand why they would devote themselves to prayer. But why in the world would they devote themselves to the breaking of bread? What does that mean? When we see the breaking of bread here, it is a reference to communion or what we sometimes call the Lord's Supper. And so they devoted themselves to this. Why would they find it so important to devote themselves to what seems like just a part of the traditions of the church? Why would they devote themselves most definitely and so defiantly to Breaking bread, communion, the Lord's Supper. I can tell you why. Because within our common community, there is one reason that we exist. And the one reason that we exist is that Jesus Christ looked at us, knew that we needed a savior. He died on the cross. Because he died on the cross, he paid the debt, the penalty for our sins. He was buried, and on the third day, he was resurrected. That is what makes Christians, Christians, without Jesus, without his death, burial, and resurrection, we are just a community of shared interest. But because of his death, burial, and his resurrection, We come together as a community who worship the very man that he was, God in the flesh, who on the third day was resurrected by the Father and has given us this community in which we now dwell in celebration and of worship of him. Without Jesus, there is no community and there is no body of Christ. The fellowship of believers at the Lord's table is the way that we commemorate his death and his burial and his resurrection. It is where we celebrate the finished work of Christ on the cross, and it is not to be done lightly at all. In fact, we are given specific instructions on how we are to commemorate this great event. Look with me, if you will, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. 27. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, so that means there's a way you should do it and a way you shouldn't do it, will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself, That is why many of you are weak and ill and even some have died. Now, I I really want you to see what's happening here. Notice that there are restrictions, specific restrictions placed on who is able to take part in this communion. Only those who already have communion and fellowship with Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit can publicly display and share in his communion with him. And that brings us to a much larger point. Only those of us who are born again, blood-bought believers, can be a part of this Christian community. Now, this is not to say that if anyone is listening or watching that you're that you can't listen or watch because you can't you're not a part of this community. But what it is saying is that unless we have been redeemed, we are outside of the will of God. If we are outside of the will of God, we are outside of the community that he has built for us. And the scripture tells us here that there are tremendous repercussions for those of us who pretend to be a part of this community if we actually aren't. Now, why is that? Why would, they be, why would there be such repercussions for people who participate seemingly in a way that honors God? Because we are not called to bear the resurrection in our actions alone unless we are bearing the resurrection in our hearts. Now, some people may think, what's the big deal? This should be all inclusive. The community should be an open community. But that, that is because we fail to realize this. There are great sufferings that we face because we are part of this community. And for anyone to be willing to participate in the Lord's Supper without participating in the Lord's sufferings, it is drinking damnation to themselves. Look at what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be also manifested in our bodies for we who live are Are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Do you see why not just anybody can take place in communion in the Lord's Supper? We who take part declare that we are also taking part in his suffering. We are suffering because he suffered. We are afflicted because he was afflicted. These bodies are but crumbling jars of clay, but they are held together because we are bearing the resurrection of Jesus Christ in our hearts and in our bodies. This community is not just for anybody. The Bible says that we are killed all the day long, we are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. But no, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's what the scripture says. Yes, we are always being given over for, to death for the sake of Jesus. But we die so that the life of Christ can be alive in us. Yes, this is a community that is exclusive but it comes at a high price. And I hate to break it to you. I'm sorry for anybody who wants to hear this, but you can't just join this community, all right? You have to be born into this community. And I, have to, I hate to break even more news to you, but just being born in it isn't enough. You have to be born again in this community. That's the only way that we are in this community, that we share in this communion, because we have been born again And the only reason that we can celebrate the blood of Jesus is because we have actually been redeemed by it. Think about how it is like spitting in the face of Jesus for us to publicly display his supper and not his sufferings. In doing all of this, the Bible says that there was an almost tangible among this community, there was almost a tangible mood of joy and jubilation and celebration as they fellowship together and as they saw the works and the miracles and the signs and the wonders of the apostles. Now, we know that there are no more apostles, and so we do not seek the signs and the, and the miracles and, and the wonders. When God performs miracles, we are ec- ecstatic about it, but we're not seeking that. But what we should seek for is to share in their awe and in their reverence and in their joy and in their jubilation because they were a part of this greater, larger community. They were in his faithful family. The church as a whole should have a disposition of hopefulness and peace, but we should also have a disposition of vigor and enthusiasm. Now, this is the point that I wanted to get to for this whole sermon. I I couldn't wait to get to it in this scripture. I want you to see how the church should behave here as a community. And be reminded, these are not gentle recommendations on what we should do, but these are commandments. These are standards and the foundation of what the church, what our common community should be built on. Notice what the text says here. And all who believed worked together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. It says that they had all things in common. Now, this is not some sly endorsement of socialism or communism. It's not even an endorsement of capitalism because The economy of the church is not defined by the world standard as the church. We have an economy that we have been given to us by God. So trying to label it by something that the world has taken and polluted, we dare not do. And I can't imagine a more frustrating thing. Some things frustrate me, and this is one of them. When there are Christians who are willing to die on the cross of their ability to earn capital, but not do with that capital what the Bible has instructed us to do. When it says here that they had all things in common, it means that they lowly regarded their stuff. It just didn't mean that much to them. And so, yes, they were in a free economy where they had capital and they could get land, and they could get property, and they could get wealth, and they could get riches, but they used that to bless other people. It wasn't for themselves. And in today's time, there is so much talk about giving and tithing. You give so that you can be blessed. You tithe so that you can be blessed. Listen, that is a wicked system that is not promoted by any place in Scripture. We do not give so that we can be blessed. We give because in this community, there are people who need what we have. We give so that we can be a blessing. That's why we're a part of the community It's because there are going to be times that we need other people, but there are a lot more times when other people in this community are going to need us. That is the purpose of the wealth that the church has. It is not just for us to sit on it or gloat about it or or manipulate the church because we have it to get them to do what we want them to do. But we take what we have and we give it freely. And I want you to notice here. This wasn't like passive residual disposable income that these people had. But the Bible says that they were actively selling their possessions. Giving up of their wealth. This was something they did with intent. They gave up their stuff. They didn't just wait around until somebody gave them a price, but they were proactive in giving up of stuff that used to mean a lot to them that means far less to them now. That is why we give. We don't give to me. You're not giving to the pastor. You're not giving to my bills. You are giving to the church. You are giving to one another. We are being a blessing in this community. The last thing I want you to see here is that their community didn't just happen at the temple. So for us, that would be the church. It didn't just happen at the church, but it continued in their homes, in celebration and in worship and in fellowship. Their hearts grew generous and even more tender towards one another because they committed to gathering. The people within their community were their best friends. They didn't look outside of the community to have needs fulfilled, to have the sense of friendship fulfilled, but they looked within the community first. And their strongest bonds were with the people who were already a part of that community. In this community, We need not look for animosity. I know it's bad English, but we are all we got. I don't care how long you've been friends with somebody. You are closer to the people in this community. I don't care if you were born in the same family of somebody. You have been born again. And as the Bible tells us in Romans, it's not those who are born according to the seed, but it's those of us who are born again, who are counted as offspring because we have been born according to the promise. It doesn't matter if we have the bloodline. We have been a Adopted as sons and daughters in Christ. So those of us who are also in this community together, you are looking at your brothers and your sisters in the faith. Your community, the strength of your community should be that these are born again believers. In this community, our dependence on one another is definitely a sign of our weakness as individuals. But this is why his strength is made perfect in our weakness, because he's given us a community that in the areas that we're weak, they bear us and they bear our burdens. And we'll close with this. Do you see the result of this formidable community? Every day. Because of their generosity, because of their love, because of their jubilation, because of their devotion and dedication to the word of God. There were people who were outside of that community, who saw that community, who saw the strength of that community, and they were added to the community day by day, every single day, people were being saved. That's why we do what we do, because there are people who need the gospel, and we must be a unified, united front so that people who are outside of this community will be brought into this community. Listen, when people see our fellowship, they should see our joy, they should see our generosity, and they should see our love. And it is that joy, it is that generosity, it is that love that will draw men and women, boys and girls alike, those who were outside of the community, who were debtors according to their sins, will be freed because they saw this community and they were brought in because of our love and our dedication to the Word of God. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this word. God, I thank you that you have given us a common community. God, we were not a people, but you have made us a people, a peculiar people chosen before the foundation of the world. You have given us a community, God. Lord, please help us individually and collectively remove the things and the thoughts and the barriers that we have placed in between ourselves and our other brothers and sisters in the faith. God, those who don't believe like we believe, who don't do what we do, who don't think like we think, God, please don't let us be a stumbling block, but certainly don't let us be divided on non-essential secondary issues, but let us love them as our brothers and sisters in the faith. God, give us joy, give us encouragement, but renew in us the purpose of this community, which is to form a unit that spreads the gospel to the entirety of the world. Lord, revive us again. It is in your name we pray. Amen.